Let's do this. Yes. Woo. Right. Yes. Right. Woohoo. Woo. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Woo. All right. Oh, that was great. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what are we doing? Whoa, whoa, what are we? No, no, no. I need, wait, wait a minute. Well, all right, here we go. One more time. Woo, let's do this again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't feel very good. Someone stop. Stop it. No, 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 stop it, please. Uh, uh, I'm gonna throw up. No. Uh. Someone, please stop. I can't. I can't keep going. Thank you, thank you. I can't. Uh, uh, you ever gotten on a ride that you just can't get off of? You ever been stuck in a relationship maybe you can't get out of? Thank you. Oh, that is a little sickening. Appreciate that, Walter. Thanks so much, man. You ever started something that seemed fun at the time that now... You can't stop. Maybe you started a party lifestyle that led to an addiction. Maybe you started seeing someone and now you don't know how to unsee them. Maybe you started a habit that's turned into something you can't get away from, that's creating a double lifestyle, a secret life that no one knows about. Or maybe you're just stuck in what's normal and common, but you're not advancing in your life. It's funny how we get on something that seems fun at the time that ultimately can be our demise. So I want to talk today about how you can get unstuck, what to do when you're stuck. Welcome to Life is Like a Roller Coaster. Thanks for being here today. Hey, before we go any further, can we just give it up for all those who got baptized? Congratulations, guys. That's awesome. I love it. By the end of the weekend, we will have hundreds of people who took that step of faith to get baptized. And it's not too late for you, too. We have a service after this as well. You can still get baptized. I want to encourage you to do that. And those of you who say, well, what, what, what is that about? What does that mean? Well, it's not really supposed to be a religious thing. It's supposed to be a relationship thing. And what it, what it symbolizes is when you lower someone to the water and bring them back up, it's like when Christ died on the cross and was buried and raised to new life. So we died to ourselves, and now Christ is going to live through us. That's the symbolism of someone who's accepted Christ as their Savior. So you're really telling the whole world, hey, I am now a Jesus follower. And so thank you for taking that huge step of faith. And it's not too late for you to do the same thing next service. We'd love to have you do that as well. So really, really proud of everyone who took that step of faith today. Hey, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Many people find themselves stuck in a lifestyle or situation that they just can't 
get out of. You ever just feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and you just need to break out in your life to accomplish something more, to see some new fruit in your life, some new results, but maybe you keep doing the same thing, wanting a different result, but you gotta do something different to get something different. So pull out your notes if you would today, and I wanna talk about how when we get stuck, there is an answer, there's something we can do about it. In fact, here's the first thing I want you to write down. When you're going nowhere fast, eventually it makes you sick. When you're going nowhere fast, eventually it makes you sick. Look at Proverbs 13 says, it says in the New Living Translation, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Or how about the message translation? It says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Wow, isn't that true? Oh, maybe this is the time my marriage is finally gonna turn around and oh, he does it again or she did it again or we got in a fight again. Oh, I'm finally over this addiction and only to go three, four weeks and then mess up again. What is it for you that you keep going back to the same disappointment? Oh, maybe finally I'm going to get that razor promotion. And then once again, someone else swooped in and got it. What do you do when you find yourself stuck? It'll actually make you sick. But I got some good news for you. The fact that there's a, a book of Exodus in the Bible tells me that we are not stuck in our situation, but God can help us be free. And so I want to unpack this for you today. In fact, I want to give you five simple principles today about how you can get unstuck in your life. Anybody need this today? Anybody excited about hearing this today? Now, for those of you who say, oh, okay, pastor, here's the thing. Some of you are like, I'm not addicted to anything. I don't need some message on 12 step. Pastor, I'm not addicted. Are you sure about that? Are you sure you're not hooked on anything? Let me take your phone away for a week and let's see how you do. <laughs> let, me, let me take carbs away for a week and let's see how you do. No chips, no Mexican food, no hot sauce, just one week. Let me just take, let, let me take caffeine out of your life for a week and see if you're not crying out to your God, <laughs> right? So we do get addicted to things. Maybe for you, you, you may have fallen into the biggest addiction that I know of in the whole world. Maybe you're addicted to your paycheck. To where you, you have the life you wanna live, you I wanna do this, but you know, this pays the bill, so I, I, can't, I can't let go of it. And because you ramped your lifestyle up, you gotta have that paycheck coming in at that level, at that income, so you can't do what you want to do. You got to do what you got to do. So it's amazing the things we get addicted to, isn't it? But I think one thing we're all addicted to is comfort. We're all addicted to keeping things just the same. See, we're all creatures of habit. Habits can be good or habits can be bad. The habit of exercise, good. The habit of eating bad, bad, right? The habit of being a couch potato all the time versus the habit of getting up and doing something. And so there are good habits and there are bad habits. My wife, one time, she was, she was making fun of me. She said, you always eat the same stuff. Like, you're into the same food. You just, same meals, everything. I'm like, you're right. I go to the same restaurant or the same meal at the same restaurant. Anybody else like that? And she was making fun of me. And I said, but honey, I kind of get stuck on things. She's like, I know it's so weird you get stuck on things. And I said, but I'm stuck on you. It's good, right? I mean, I'm stuck on you. <laughs> the truth is, it's not always a bad habit, but we are creatures of habit. And our habits eventually make who we are as a pe people. And if you don't think you have habits, I bet you're sitting in the same area or seat you always sit in ever. Don't lie. Don't lie. If I made you go move across the room, you'd be like, God can't speak to me over here. I got to go back to my seat. We're creatures of habit, aren't we? It's true, we kind of have our lockdown of how we do things and how we like things. There's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes our habits begin to limit us. Even things that seem good at first can eventually level us out, and it's time to level up. God has more for you. So how do we do this? Well, first thing, let's look at some scripture. This is one of the most popular scriptures in all the Bible. In fact, we're going to unpack where Paul actually says his famous line, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And so we're going to unpack that a little bit, but let's look at the scriptures before and after that as well. He says this, don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. The first thing you need to know is that you're not going to fix your situation by being worried about it. Worry fixes nothing. Let me say that again. Worry fixes nothing. You can worry about your marriage, but it's not going to make your marriage better. So let's instead focus on what we can do to improve things. Instead of just being frustrated about your career or your debt, of just being frustrated about the depression you're dealing with, why don't we say, what can we do to fix this? Let's get off of the problem and let's get on to some new causes to create some new effects. So what can we do differently? Well, God says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That word instead is a big deal. You may want to underline instead because if I could focus you on, on, on something today, it would be to learn how to replace bad habits with good habits. I'm, instead of doing this, I'm going to do that. Instead of worrying, I'm going to worship. Instead of sitting around, I'm going to go for a jog. Instead of complaining about my career not going anywhere, I'm going to come in an hour early and work harder and see if that pays off. Instead of frustrated I don't have a degree, I'm going to go back to night school. Instead of being frustrated in my marriage, I'm going to get all dressed up and take my spouse on a date. Do something different to get a different result. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Underline that, what you need. You got to be very specific. You know, God will answer vague prayers vaguely, and he'll answer specific prayers specifically. Tell God what you need. Come on, ladies. Okay, Lord, I need him to be six foot four, good looking, slightly rich. I need him to love God. I need, right? Tell him what you need. My sister, back in the day when she was single, she would say, oh, listen, I'm not picky. I'll date any, I'll marry any doctor. Any doctor's fine, just whatever one. <laughs> The point is this, is that you need to talk about what you want. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. This is important. We need to go to God with faith. And what we're saying when we thank God for what he's already done, we're saying, God, you've already taken care of me in the past, so I know you'll take care of the situation too. I mean, when has, ever, when has God failed you? He always comes through for you. So what makes you think he's not going to come through for you now? And so we need to have faith in our prayers instead of praying things like, oh God, my life is so terrible. Amen. But what does that do? That's nothing. And so, you know, Jesus even said in Scripture, he turned, turned to disciples one time. He said, hey, let's go to the next town. I can't do any miracles here. Jesus was limited. The one thing that limits God you doing something great in your life is your lack of faith. You have to have the faith to believe he can do it. You're going to pray for rain, carry an umbrella. Believe he can do it. And so instead, start praying, God, I thank you, Lord, and I may be single, but right around the corner is someone that you have for me. Lord, I may not be making the money I want to make now, but I know right around the corner is my big break, my big opportunity. I thank you, God. I sense that it's coming. I believe by faith you're going to bless me. God wants you to depend upon him. He wants you to believe in him. So he says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I looked at the word guard. It means to garrison. Garrison means you have soldiers all around you protecting you from the wrong thoughts. Isn't that great? When you pray this kind of prayer of faith, he gives you his peace that passes understanding. You know what this means? It means God gives you a peace like he's already done it when he hasn't done it yet. How cool is that? He gives you the peace like you've already fallen in love with someone while you're still single and don't even know who that is. He gives you the peace like your career is on track before it's on track. He gives you the peace about your debt being paid off before it's paid off. That's how God works. He gives you the peace for it at the beginning. Cry out to God for help. Number one, would you do that? And number two, what do we do after this? We need to fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts. Cry out to God and fix your thoughts. It says in Philippians 4, 8, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Basically, don't go on social media. Because it's the total opposite of everything that just says, isn't it? 
Let's just be honest. But we keep fixing our thoughts on everything that's jacked up. We fix our thoughts on the latest Twitter fight between two celebrities. We fix our thoughts on political battles. We fix our thoughts on people who are angry. We fix our thoughts on things that just aren't going to benefit you at all in your life. It's when you fix our thoughts on, on what God has for us. There's something I've just noticed about people that are winners in their lives. Just, just, just friends of mine that I've connected with. And I have friends at all economic scale levels. I'm sure you do too. I have rich friends and poor friends. I mean, I, you know, I have uh, friends that are successful in the ministry and unsuccessful in the ministry. People that have great marriages, people that have bad marriages. I mean, yeah, I've, I'm like you. I have friends of all spectrum. But I've noticed that the people that seem to be going higher, it, seem, it seems to me that certain people that just always seem to win, they just always are doing well. You know, people like that, have a tendency to fix their thoughts on what's next. They're always thinking about what they want and how to get it. And surprise, surprise, they normally do get it. Why? They're fixated on it. Many times we're fixated on our past pain or mistakes. We're fixated on the current mess we're in instead of fixating on the future that God has for us. And so fix your thoughts. Philippians 4.13 says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I included this verse here because Paul says, focus on things that are true. So the next time you lie to yourself and say, I, I, I can't overcome this. I just can't do it. You just lie to yourself because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. So you're living a lie if you don't think you can fix this. You're living a lie if you think you're stuck. You're living a lie if you think you have to stay depressed. You're living a lie if you think you can't be healed. You're living a lie if you think God can't turn your marriage around. God says to you and me today, you name the problem, you can handle it. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's the truth. That's the truth. So we need to live in that truth. We need to recognize that God has more for us. We need to fix our thoughts on what God wants to do through you and me. So how do we do that? Now notice it says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now think about this. Let's think about the problem you're facing, whatever it is. No one needs to know about it, but you know about it, whatever it is. Now think about that problem. And now think about someone you know who had that problem, who's overcome it. Because someone has. Someone has already put in the work and already overcome or already has what you want. Some, I mean, I hate to break it to you. Someone fatter than you are now is now in great shape, right? Someone in worse health than you is now healthy. Someone with a marriage more jacked up than you think yours is actually now has a better marriage. Someone who felt very out of touch with God is now close to God farther than you ever were. In other words, listen, this is always helps me when I remember this. Someone has been dealt a worse hand than me and they're winning with it. Isn't it good to remember that? Someone has it worse off than you, and yet they turn that around, which leaves you and me with no excuse. Someone has more debt than you do, and they paid it all off, which means you can too. And so I just want to encourage you today to know that you're not stuck. And it says here, think about things that are excellent. So excellent means someone did a good job. Who did a good job? Focus on what they did. This leads me to my next, to my next point. Number three, copy the best practices of those who already have what you want. Copy their best practices. Philippians 4, 9 says this, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, God, then the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, hey, you want, you want to really succeed in, in growing, close to Christ, growing close to Christ? Do what I'm doing. And you may think, well, that's arrogant of Paul. No, it's not arrogant, it's confidence. He knows what he's doing. If LeBron James said, let me show you how to shoot, would you listen to him? Does he know a thing or two? You better believe it. You'd be like, show me right now. I want to learn, Right? So you would want to learn from a guy that, that is that good at basketball. Here, here's the problem. We keep 
God keeps introducing us people who are doing better in some area than us, and guess what we do? We disagree with them. Well, yeah, my, my cousin, he's really rich, but you know, I don't, I don't like how he did this and did that and this and that. Okay, well, you can disagree with me. You can just stay poor. Why are we disagreeing with people who have who've done more than we're doing? I mean, this is crazy. And so I see this all the time. Let me give you the most extreme cases I hear all the time. And I hear this common, you know, someone's struggling with an addiction. Or they can't get off drugs, opioids. They can't get off, you know, pot or, or, or cocaine or whatever. And you know, don't, don't even argue with me the whole thing about, oh, pot's not a drug. That means you're addicted to it if you're telling me that. That's a dead giveaway. You're addicted to it right there. And so, but the truth is, is that, you know, people that are addicted to pot or cocaine or heroin or whatever your, 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 your favorite cocktail is, you know, they, they tell me all the time, well, you know, I'll say to them, hey, you should go to 12-step. Oh, no, I don't need that. Oh, okay, so you're the exception. So all the millions upon millions of people who are freed every year from their addiction did it through 12-step, but somehow you don't need that. You're stronger than all of them. If you're so strong, why are you still addicted then? See, guys, the truth is it's arrogant for us to believe that we could ignore best practices. If other people have freed themselves from something, doing a certain thing, then humble yourself and do it their way. You cannot expect to get where you wanna go if you ignore other people who have what you want and how they did it. Learn from them. I would be a fool to listen to my pastor who you heard last week. Didn't he do a great job, by the way, Pastor Craig? What an incredible, you can see why I listened to that guy, right? Brilliant. When I ask him questions about how to do certain things in ministry and he tells me, if I disagree with him, I force myself to go with his side, not mine. Because I realize I'm disagreeing from the vantage point of not succeeding in this area, and he's disagreeing from the vantage point of having succeeded in this area. I should listen to him. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, don't take the advice of how to diet from a fat person. What are you doing? <laughs> right? Don't take financial advice from your broke brother-in-law, right? That's, that's crazy. My brother-in-law is not broke, but the point I'm trying to say is that you don't want to take the advice of someone who's failing. So why are you choosing to listen to yourself failing in this area and ignoring where someone's succeeding in that area? It's arrogance, guys. It's crazy. Humble yourself. Learn from others. It's important that we do this. And so if we will do that, we will copy the best practices of others who have already succeeded, and then we can succeed in that particular area too. You know, when Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, did you know that he was in prison in Rome at that point? Did you know that the prison, I, I've been in that prison cell. I actually went and visited it in Rome a number of years back. It's very small. It was very low ceiling. You couldn't even stand up in the room. And it was also part of their uh, plumbing system. Did you know that? It was the bottom part of the, of the palace, which means that it was very typical for the very place that they kept prisoners would actually also be a giant pipeline where they would flood human feces through their cell. There's a good chance that his feet were squishing through someone else's feces as he wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Shite happens. <laughs> but you can choose to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I don't care what you're standing in. You can overcome it. Some of you are more upset and focused on the word I just said than the fact that God wants to free you. Get your mind on the right thing. God has something great for you. I'm telling you right now, I'm here to confront you to quit living in the lie that says you can't overcome this when you can. I want you to understand that God has more for you and he brought me here to tell you this. You need to receive this. If you don't receive it, then get back on the track and enjoy getting sick one more time. You have to understand God has more for you. To go to your next level, though, this is really important. 
I want to share something that may really surprise you. Philippians 4.15 says something that, that doesn't seem to fit the context of everything else Paul has said. He turns his attention to the people that he's writing to, and he says something interesting. He says, and you, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. Why would they be mentioning this here? It's kind of interesting. So it's like, you know, you can do all things through Christ, and you need to pray to God and trust in him. And by the way, you guys really helped me out financially. Thanks. Well, that doesn't seem to really fit. So I began to break it down and think, okay, God, why would this be here? Why would you have the scripture here? Just remember, when the scripture seems out of place, it's not. It, our, our thinking's out of place. So God, what am I supposed to learn here? He says this, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. No other church did this. You sent help more than once. He says, hey, thanks for the offering. We couldn't do what we do without you. Then he says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. So he's saying, hey, I'm not bringing this up so you give more. I just want you to know that I'm so thankful I couldn't do what I'm doing without your support. And then he goes on to say this. He says, I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with, with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So he says, hey, thank you for the special offering. That's the only way I could be doing this mission that God has called me to. I just want to mention something. We're not, this, today's message is not about that, but we are about to have a special offering in a few weeks, and about, about a month away actually, where we're going to give generously because that's who our church is. We don't give because we give. We give because of who, not because of what we do, but because of who we are in Christ. And so we're going to give generously towards several projects to help us continue the work of God. But Paul is saying, I don't want to get off on that, but I just want to mention that to be praying about that. And you may say, Pastor, I don't have any resources. There's just no way I can do. Oh, I'm sorry. The pressure's not on you. The pressure's on God. I'm not trying to pressure you to give. We're trying to turn instead to say, God, we trust in you. And Lord, we depend upon you. So you're going to have to provide it. We'll just say yes to you, Lord, but you've got to provide it for me to be able to do it. And then we'll see God come through. It's not about you coming through. It's about God coming through. And he will. But let me just mention this here. Paul is thanking them for sponsoring him. He basically says, I couldn't be where I'm at without you giving, without your support, without your help. He also mentions another place in Scripture without your encouragement. Right? You know, Paul would not have been considered an apostle if it wasn't for a guy who vouched for him. Did you know that? The other apostles didn't trust him because he was a Christian murderer. Did you know that? For those of you who feel like, oh, God can't use me, are you sure? Because Paul killed people that were Christians, and then he became the leader of the church. Wow. I guess there are people that are worse off than you and me doing pretty well. And so, but, but he had someone vouch for him. And so we all need someone like this. So number four is this. To go to your next level, you will need a sponsor. You're going to need someone who believes in you that can help you. Now, literally in AA, or in Narconics Anonymous, NA, they have sponsors, people that have already succeeded in getting off of the drug, the drug of choice that they were hooked to that can say, I can help you get off cocaine. Why? Because I've done it. So I know what you need. There's nothing you can say to me that's going to surprise me. When you try to tell me your little tricks, I'm going to see right through them. Why? Because I had all those same lies too. They know what they're doing, right? So we can easily see this when it comes to 12-step, I mean, clearly you need a sponsor, someone who you can call in the middle of the night when you say, oh, I'm just dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I want so bad to call my dealer. And they say, don't you do it, man, don't you do it, I'll meet you, oh, we'll go get coffee, oh, we'll meet right now, go, go run a mile, do something, do, get up and get active, don't do this, don't sit there and, 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 and suffer, because you'll end up using tonight if you do, right, because they know that. So we can easily see how we need a sponsor to get sober, but let me tell you something that may surprise you. You need a sponsor to get to your next level in any area of life. 
Think about this for a second. You wouldn't know who Dr. Phil is if it wasn't for Oprah. Oprah introduced Dr. Phil to the world on her show, but then she took it that further because she liked him so much. She then introduced him to all of her production company and to ABC and others and said, I think this guy has a TV show in him. She did the same thing again for Dr. Oz. They would not be where they are without them. Does that make sense? So anytime you go to your next level, you have people helping you. No one gets there alone. There's people who help you go to your next level. If I were to chart my career as a pastor, and I consider it more of a calling than career, but let's just use that word for now. And so if I were to chart it in the growth of our church, it would look like this, right? But every giant step up, you know, and then I come down a little bit, and then no giant step. But when, I, when I chart the years, there were certain people I met, connected with, learned something new from them, and we grew. And I go along, and I met someone else new, and then we grew. I could literally chart by the mentors, by the relationships where I grew as a leader and pastor, and the church grew as well. This is important. Leaders are learners. Who are you learning from right now? If, you're, if you can't recall a name of someone who's kicking butt in the area you want to be kicking butt in that you're learning from, dare I say, you're still on, on the ride just going around. You're not going to get anywhere. You need someone to teach you some things. And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. What, you want to write this down? This isn't fill in the blank, but you may want to write this down. You may be one key relationship from your entire life changing. One key relationship can change everything for you. And so allow God to open the doors for people like that. In fact, right now with a pen in your hand, you may want to write down some names of the people that are already around you that already have what you want. So you can go talk to them about it and ask them, how'd you, how'd you get this? Man, I look at the way you, you parent. Your kids adore you and they're, and they're obedient and my kids are not. And so what are you doing that I'm not doing? Go ask them that question. Go find out. Did you ever have a season that it wasn't as great with the kids? And they'll probably, almost every parent that have great kids will tell you stories that no one else knows about when things weren't going so great, right? What'd you do differently? Because I'm banging my head against the wall going crazy here, and, and, and you seem to, to have this in stride. What, what are you doing? And people seem to have these great marriages, and you're like, man, I, I'm messed up. So you're like, Pastor, you don't even talk about marriage. I, I mean, I'm going through infidelity. There's, there's no recovering from that. Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> I haven't told you stats on this. 80% of people that cheat don't cheat again. Did you know that? 80%. It's not over. Unless you say it's over. And I can tell you countless couples I know that you don't even know that they've been through this, that go to our church, that are spiritual leaders, leading ministries, doing the great work of God, that you just look at them and say, wow, they're just such a godly couple, and look how in love they are, and you don't even know what they've gone through because Jesus' grace is that good. That he didn't restore them to where they were, he restored them to something better that God has. God doesn't want to take you back to normal, he wants to take you to an abundant life, a blessed life, a prosperous life, a good relationship, a whole, a healthiness. God has more for you. There is someone who has it worse than you that's already doing better. And so copy the best practices. And number four, to go to your next level, you will need a sponsor. Now, let me tell you real quick before I got to wrap it up here. Let me tell you what you need to do with the sponsor when you find someone who will help you. And we need to look for that. And I believe God's already placed them in your life. You just have to recognize that they're there. So many times, oh, God, would you please help me? And God's like, I I'd be glad to help you. You got to recognize the help that God wants to give you. God wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you, but you got to recognize who he's bringing in your life. Have you already pushed someone away that's there to help you? Invite them back in. Say, I'm so sorry. I, I should have listened to you. Would you please give me your time so I can learn from you and how I can do this? And so, so here's, this is an important thing I've learned when it comes to uh, a sponsor in your life that will help you go to that next level. Please write this down. Number five, share the final 10%. The final 10%. What does that mean? It means when, when they ask you about what you're dealing with and what you're trying to improve in your life, tell them the ugly stuff. 
If you don't, they can't help you. It's, it's crazy, but I know couples that have marital problems. So typically, this is not always the case, but typically the wife drags the husband to a counselor. He doesn't really want to go. Typically, not, I've seen it reverse too, but typically that's pretty typical. And guess what? When they get the counselor, now what does the husband and the wife do? They try to impress the counselor. Oh, our marriage is great. It's awesome. And the counselor's like, why are you here? Like, what, why are you trying? It's ridiculous. We try to impress people that can help us. And so one time I was having a discussion with one of my mentors, and I was telling him all things I'm doing wrong. And my wife was like, don't tell him that. He's going to think you're like an idiot, and you don't know what you're doing. I was like, but I am an idiot, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's how you get better. And so I've learned to actually spill the beans on myself and say, this is where I'm kind of falling apart, where I'm not very good. I need some help. How are you supposed to get help in an area you won't admit? So you have to say the last 10%. So when you meet with your drug counselor, go ahead and tell them about your hidden stash. Go ahead and tell them about how, well, typically on Tuesdays, my wife goes and plays cards, and so that's my opportunity to dart out, and I got a deal that meets me. Just tell them. Can say, okay, well, on Tuesdays nights, you're working out with me from now on. They can help you. See, the, the truth is, is that we try to impress people that we should be getting help from. And so you need someone who's not impressed with you. you got to learn to share the final 10% with someone like this. Let me give you a, a scripture on this. James 5, that's, it says 6, but it's actually 5. 5.16 says this. Make this your common practice. We're talking about best practices, right? Here's our best practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Don't you want to be whole and healed? Doesn't that sound great? Joyce Meyer puts it this way. You're only as sick as your secrets. Whatever secret you're sitting on is how sick you are. You can't get healing and help unless you admit it. You've got to confess what you're dealing with. It says the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. If you go to a godly person that already has what you have, that's already been through what you've been through, and they've come out on your side successfully, they can help you, but only if you tell them the truth. So quickly, three things on this real quick, and then we'll, and then we'll wrap it up. Is this helping you guys? Help anybody today? Okay, good. Make sure this is hitting. Okay, so three critical factors in sharing the final 10%. First of all, you need to find accountability. Someone you can tell the truth to. I have accountability, and I also have mentoring. It's both. It's not necessarily one or the other. Paul poured into Timothy, right? But he also had Barnabas, who was a guy that was at his level that he could just encourage one another. So find accountability. My accountability part partner is, is my best friend. I mean, my best friend is my wife, and I'm accountable to her too. But after that, we have a couple that we've been friends with for a long time, way before as Pastor Bill. Like, he's not impressed by the name Pastor Bill at all. He's like, hey, Pastor Bill. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I knew him in college, you know, so he's like, you know, he didn't care about any of that stuff. He is the guy who will ask me any question, and I am required to give him the answer, the truth. You need someone who knows the full skinny on you. Otherwise, you can't get help. Someone who really knows you. This couple really knows us. They know how we're really doing, you know, because we've known them since we were a young married couple, barely married a year. They were barely married a year. Now we're 25 years in our marriage. They're 25 years in their marriage. And we're still connecting with one another, still encouraging one another. And he'll say to me, hey, man, how's your week going? Oh, it's going good. When's the last time you took your wife out on a date? Oh, he's like, all right, when are you going to go? And then every time I do it, I'm like, man, I should have done that earlier. That was great. You know, I just get busy. How about you? Do you get busy too? Who's holding you accountable? When's the last time you spent time with your kids? Without the TV on. Without going to a movie. We actually talk. It's a two-way conversation with the phones under the table. Not eyeing them. <laughs> right? We need someone to ask these kind of questions, right? 
And I love it because they, they, they're not impressed with, with us at all. They're Italian, by the way. It's really funny because uh, his wife, Jay, Jay and Jennifer, he, she's super Italian. So she's like, she's like, oh, you think you like a big time pasta, huh? <laughs> You're so spiritual. It's hilarious. So, okay. Find accountability. And this important B is this. Create a climate of acceptance. you be able to tell them what's really going on with someone who will look right back at you and say, it's okay. I still love you. It's okay. This is, this is a judgment-free zone. Usually someone who really loves you and cares for you, they'll tell you it's okay. Real, case in point, men, I want to talk to men real quick. And ladies, this will help you too when you learn this about your man. Men confess in stages. I don't know if you knew that. They don't, they don't just blur it all out. Men are really bad at communication. Women will just, blah, 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 blah. I hardly even know you, but let's just talk. They just tell everything. <laughs> Guys are total opposite of that. You can have a best friend who knows nothing about you. What? We just fired some steaks up. We're good. What'd you talk about? Eh. They just grunt at each other. Eh, eh. Oh, good time. <laughs> so you have to go there over time, men, and when you begin to share. And here's the thing. Men are scared to share because men are really little boys on the inside. They're scared to be rejected. So that's why they're scared to really share everything. But here's what happened. When you finally had the breakthrough moment with the guy you feel like you can trust, and you say, hey, man, here's the deal. Here's what I'm really kind of dealing with in my life. And you really share it. Guess what the guy's going to do? He's going to look both ways like this. He's going to go, me too. You know why? Because no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. We're dealing with the same stuff. So when you get honest with someone, you'll find out they're probably dealing with something very similar to you. And so you can really encourage one another. And the last thing is keep it in the room. Keep it in a room. It has to be confidential. You have to be able to trust this person. And if you'll have this kind of relationship with someone who loves you, who can help you, a best friend, a mentor, a pastor, a leader, someone that you can go to and turn to. They'll encourage you. They'll help you. And guess what? You can get unstuck. How many of you guys received this today? To say, thank you, God. I don't have to be stuck any longer. God has more for you. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing across all of our campuses. Right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if God is speaking to you, if he's saying it's time to reach out, it's time to get a sponsor, it's time to get someone who will take you to the next level, it's time to fix your thoughts on your future rather than repeating your past again and again. If that's you today, would you lift your hand high to God today and say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm scared to death. I don't even know who to go to, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to open my eyes spiritually and say, God, bring me someone in my life that I can encourage, that I can be there for them, and they can be there for me that we can encourage one another. It needs to be someone of the same sex, by the way. The Bible's very clear on this. Let the older women teach younger women. Let the older men teach younger men. Ask God to show you someone like that in your life. Maybe for you, it's, it's best practices. You've been ignoring what you know you need to do that always works, that everyone else seems to succeed doing that. Somehow you think you won't. It's time to believe God can change your life too. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with us. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin, and then you rose again. I believe that. I ask you to come into my life. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.